Come on, if you got a song in your heart that's worth singing about goodness of your God, can we just give him a moment of praise? This is all in participation, church family and guests. There's something worthy of praise. It's the goodness of God, the grace that's been made available through Jesus. With all that we got, one moment, come on. Let's just lift the atmosphere of our own heart with expectancy that God's with us, God's for us, and if God is for us, who or what could be against us, amen? Good to see you on a July. Y'all looking good. Everybody feeling good? Can we welcome those online right now? And most importantly, the men of Lansing Correctional, we love you very much. Honored to be connected with you this morning. Good to see you guys. Grab your seats. In a couple of days, as you know, we've been reading through the Bible, teaching through the Bible, what we've just read, what we're about ready to read. We're halfway through the year. You haven't been following along. It's a great place to start right now. We can finish these last five and a half or so months. And I believe this, if you start with God's word in your morning and you work it into your life every day, you'll be different by the end of the year than you are right now, amen? And so in a couple of days, we actually start the book of Psalms, it's just a few days away. And so I'm gonna jump into Psalms today. Uh, we're gonna start in Psalms one. In fact, probably for the majority of the rest of the summer into early fall, we're gonna be in these 150 songs. That's what Psalms are, these sonnets, these praise songs, these, these expression of worship to God. And what I love about the Psalms is that they're, they're, they're unique and they're so, um, they're just transparent. They're authentic. I think we live in a world, even in the church world, where we love to posture and pose and pretend and we can put on a face, you can put on a facade, but there's something that's just authentic and even gut-wrenching about these songs of praise because they're not all happy and excited. There's definitely plenty of those. But there's also these songs of lament, songs of struggle. The full spectrum of the human experience is found in the Psalms of highs on the mountaintops, lows in the valleys, and the struggle seasons, the satisfied seasons of our life, and everything else in between. And so if you haven't found a passion or a love for the Psalms, maybe get a different translation than what you've read them before. Maybe one of the more poetic translations maybe one of the paraphrases, and just get into this, this worship mentality of a God that is worthy of all worship no matter what we're facing, and that you can be brutally, authentically honest with God. How many are done pretending? How many are done pretending you got all the answers? Now, we have Jesus, we have the answer, and God can handle what we're walking through in our, in our life. One uh, theologian says the book of Psalms is God's prescription for a complacent church. It helps get our attention not on ourselves, but onto a God worthy of all praise. It shows that we can be honest with our Heavenly Father. You ready to start? Psalms 1. I'm going to be honest with you. Psalms 1 kind of hits you in the mouth. Can we handle that? It's, a kind of a good, it's kind of a good news, bad news thing. It's two choices that we can make, and we're going to choose well today. Can I read it? Psalm chapter 1. You follow us on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. Blessed, okay, I like that word. That's a good one. I like the blessing of God. How many like the blessing of God in your life? How many want to have more of the blessing of God in your life? Come on. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. 
And on his law, on God's law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, I like this part, whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They're like chaff, which the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment or sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And as we get right standing with him through Christ, he knows where we're going. But the way of the wicked will, will perish. Okay, we got good and we got bad. How many want good? How many of you have a choice? How many today you can choose? You got some bad things going on in life? You can choose to have a, a, a God perspective about your problems. You can choose to have a, a God response to your situation. You can choose to be planted, drawing your source and supply from the grace of God, or you can just choose to handle it your own way. Go with what feels good. So we have this dichotomy in Psalms 1, the path of blessing, and in fact, that's the first word, blessed. We'll dig into that word in just a moment. And then the last word is perish. There's life, there's death, there's your choice. There's your choice. I'm gonna speak today a simple thought on the basics of blessing. There's just some fundamental choices you make to put yourself in a place and a space where God grows your life. God fulfills your life. This is a building block for the, the, a better life with God, a better life with the fruit of God at work in your life. Because guess what? You never graduate from the basics. Can we pray? Come on, let's join. Those online, men of Lansing, let's pray all together. God, we thank you for this day that you have made. You knew what we would be facing, and you are a perfect help, ever present in time of need. We need you. We want more of you. Lord, I, I, I celebrate with those at every seat and everyone watching that's experiencing the blessing of God. Let there be more than ever before. Those that are maybe experiencing some struggle or a situation or tension, God, I thank you. You have a way out and a way forward for them. So God, we did not come here to play games. We've come to meet with you. And we have open hearts ready to hear your word, not to know more, but to do more, to obey more, to experience more of the goodness of our God. And so Lord, I thank you that no matter what the situation or scenario of our life, that you are good and you're doing good in us and through us. And let us experience the blessing of heaven in every facet and avenue of our life in the mighty name of Jesus, a rambunctious 11 a.m. said. Amen, amen. It's about ready to be loud in here tomorrow at kids' camp, so you might as well have some childlike faith and be loud in the moment. The basics of blessing. When I'm talking about blessing, I'm not just talking about more stuff. I think God wants you to have stuff. That's nothing wrong with stuff. There's a blessing, though. It really, it speaks of fulfillment. It's a blessing. Uh, 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 in fact, one way you could translate this word, in fact, in your Bible, it might be written down as the word, the word happy that there's a place of satisfaction in your soul in this kingdom life. And it starts out, the psalm says, blessed or blessed is the man or the person. That word blessed is the Hebrew word esher, which is a noun derived from the Hebrew word asher. Esher literally can be translated as full or satisfied. One translation says, it's happy. And, and the root word literally means the path that you're on. That there is a path that produces fulfillment. There's a path that produces a full life. There's a path that will bring even happiness into your life. Happiness in your life. Uh, 
Declaration of Independence, we celebrated America's birthday this last week. And it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these rights, they said, are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's not the guarantee of happiness. In our nation, which has got a whole lot of problems, and that's why God has us here, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Word of God, to bring change to our nation. But we do have a freedom that we cannot take for granted. And we have the freedom to maybe even chase after happiness. But it's not a guarantee you're going to find it. In fact, a poll that was taken last year says that 24% of Americans are the most dissatisfied and unhappy in their life as they have ever been. Only 19% say, I am happy with my life. The latter number is the highest it's ever been. And then that, 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 the other number of satisfied people is the lowest it's ever been. In other words, more people are less happy than ever before. And what I'm not promising you today is that you're going to leave here in the next 25, 30 minutes filled with life in every area of your life. That you're going to leave here happy. What you are going to leave here, though, is some choices and decisions that you can make every day of your life to position yourself on the path that leads to blessed, to fulfillment, that leads to a full life. Isn't that what Jesus said in John 10? I have come to give you God's kind of life, Zoe life, and life in its fullness. And the enemy is there to try to take away as much life as possible, to try to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So what then would make you happy? Think about it for a moment. I think everyone would have some things that would be immediately satisfying if you got a big bonus at work. Maybe it's an income level, a career move that you've been wanting to make. Maybe for some of you, it's like graduating your kids out of the house. Maybe it's retirement. Some of you are saying, if I could just marry that kind of person, I'd be happy. Or maybe the other side of the coin, if I didn't marry that kind of person, I would, be, no, that's, that's negativity. We're gonna talk about that in a moment. But the truth is, nothing on life, in our life, could give us a satisfaction in our soul that will last in every season. The new job gets real old in a while. The new car smell wears off. The relationship maybe gets out of the honeymoon stage quicker than you thought. And no matter where you are, there you go. The teaches us in Psalms 1 is this is an inside work. This is a, a heart set, a mindset, a mentality of a man or woman that actually wants to prosper where it matters the most. And it starts off like, how many like bad news first, good news at the end? That's my style. I like, give me the negative up front and then give me the positive at the end. And if there's no positive at all, don't give me the news at all. <laughs> it starts out with the negative. Now it starts out with the word blessed. Blessed is the one, but it immediately goes to the things you should not do. How many know when you're raising your kids, you start out not with all the things they should do, the majority of your correction and direction is the don't do that, don't touch that. No, you cannot put the fork in the outlet. I do not have time to explain how electricity works, you're two years old. I just wanna help you not get shocked, so I'm just gonna tell you no. In the same way in the maturity of our faith, God does start out with some things don't do. This is not for you. If you want blessing, then you can't be a part of, of this. And so it says happy or blessed is a person that does not associate with, talk with, go with the way of the world. 
the way of the mocker, the sinner, and, and, and the scoffer. In fact, this is a, a poetic song. It has three sets. It talks about where you walk, where you stand, where you sit. The counsel, the way, the seat. The wicked, the sinner, the mocker. Notice that in this story here of the person that is going the wrong way, it starts with who you're walking and talking with, and before you know it, you're not walking anymore, you're standing. You were moving forward, and now you are stuck. And not only are you standing, sorry cameraman, but now you're seated. You're no longer going in the direction you were because of the voices and the choices around you. You're staying stuck and you're seated down. You will not be blessed when you're bombarded and allow access to by negativity, criticism, and all the things that won't work out there that steal your faith. It's a slow down sequence based on the choices of the people that you get your counsel or your wisdom from. This is why we do not walk down that path. We do not listen to those voices. We don't join in the communication and the conversation that produces chaos. Why? We don't want regression. We want progress in our life. And if we just live by the voices around us and we're not selective of the things that we listen to, then we're going to find ourselves stuck in a situation that we're never called to be, seated in the seat of the scoffer. The basics of blessing kind of start with a no. If you're taking notes, why don't you write this down? You have to stop the cynicism. I say cynicism on purpose because I think critique is beautiful. Constructive criticism isn't always fun, but it's beneficial. How many know you need a mirror in your life to seize the mess in your life? It is not a friend that just pats you on the back and says, you're doing everything just fine. When there are things in your life, decisions or activity, maybe even sin that's detrimental, you need someone to tell you the truth. Why? None of us need to be the emperor with no clothes on. We need someone to show us the areas that we're out of alignment. But critic, be, a critical thinking or, or, or a change that you can make is beautiful. That's coaching. That's constructive. That's, that's discipleship. When someone comes and says, hey, you can do this better, that benefits and builds your life when you have a spirit of humility. But if you have that haughty or prideful spirit and all you are is you're good at criticizing everything else, that's cynicism. And cynicism is killer to your calling, and it will sideline the significant work of God, and it will be a barrier to a blessed life. It's a killer to being happy and fulfilled. It's the sideline critic. Come on, every one of us in the fall, we have a little bit of this in us. Fall football season kicks off, and from our nosebleed seats, or maybe you're on the sideline, or from your big screen with instant replay, everybody knows the right play to call after the play was called. <laughs> Any other armchair quarterbacks out there? Like, oh, with that rush there, if you would have just dumped it off to the flat, we would have scored. Easy to say when you have not trained and participated in any practice. Easy to say from the comfort of your chair and not on the field with pads on. Like, none of us have 300-plus-pound defensive linemen chasing us down to end our careers. And so we're all experts on woulda, shoulda, coulda. And that's the cynical spirit. It's that I know what everyone else should do. You should just listen to me. 
I think cynicism is like this cool, acceptable American, even in the church world. It's kind of like this drug of choice that everybody does, but it's not for you. I'm not talking about saying things as they are, because there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, this needs to change. But when we have a little negativity and a lot of ego in, it inflates our view of ourself. It tears down our view of others, and it eventually will kill your soul over time. One author that I read this week says, cynicism kills like frostbite. It's actually a numbness and a deadening of your sensitivity. It's a callousness of doubt, and it begins to allow our hearts to be numb to joy, to breakthrough, and to God's best. Because here's the truth. When it comes to your faith walk and journey with Jesus, doubt is allowed. Nobody knows, certainly, how everything is going to work out. You can bring your doubt to the table as you bring your faith or your hope to the table. Uh, it's allowed. But cynicism is closed and resistant to anything that God would potentially change or use. Mark chapter 9, we see a story of a, a, a father and a son. The son is being tormented by the enemy. He's throwing himself into fires. He's got seizures. It's a demonic activity in his life. And he comes to Jesus and says, hey, can you help us? If only you could help us. And Jesus says, what do you mean if I can help? What do you mean if I can heal? He says, okay, I, I know you can. I do believe. But help me overcome my unbelief. In other words, you're not just always rose-colored lenses through everything. Everything's going to work out perfectly. You can see things for what they really are and bring your doubts, but you're asking for help to actually grow and to mature, to trust Jesus at a new level. See, Proverbs 21 says, the arrogant, an arrogant, conceited person is called a mocker, and his arrogance knows no limits. I like that translation there because no limits. In other words, like, you're not a... You're not an expert in that area. Don't act like it. You, you don't have it all figured out in every area for everyone. You don't know their situation. You don't know their circumstance. And the more we live with doubt and negativity as absolutes, the more cynicism creeps into our heart and to our spirit. And it is a blessing blocker in our life. I started, listen, we started this church at 28 and 29, 13 years ago. And man, we look younger and better and sexier than ever. At least you do. But I remember back then, I knew how everything was supposed to work. I knew what God would bless and what God wouldn't. I knew the right way to take. I had all the leadership answers. Amazing, over the last 13 years, I'm dumber than I've ever been. Let me rephrase that. More humble than I've ever been. I realize I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything that's going on. The more humility I've brought into my life, the more blessing and momentum of God has done, even in this, even in this church. You can hear the spirit of cynicism when it causes the, the, the people of the promise to not go into the promised land. There's this 10 spies versus two spies. All of them are warriors, all of them are intelligent, all of them are gifted, in fact, the best of their family. And, and 10, they look at the giants, and they look at the armies, and they look at the walled cities, and they say, this is impossible. God can't do that. But yet, too, Joshua and Caleb say, hey, yeah, we can count and we can measure, and we can see there's some difficulties in the future. 
They're not blindly optimistic. They're telling the truth. But they just have a better memory of the goodness of God. And they say, well, if God did that to the greatest nation on the earth back then in Egypt, then what can he not do with these different kingdoms of what we're facing? And cynicism, like a disease, spread in the camp. And people that are threatened by hope and change will always look to bring others down. But there's an antidote for that. The Apostle Paul gives us it in Philippians 4. It says we got to fix our thoughts, our mindset, our mentality, what's true, honorable, right, and pure. I love the message paraphrase. It's summing it, up all, uh, summing it all up, friends. I, I, I say you'll do best by filling your mind and meditating. It's the same thing we saw in Psalm 1. Meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, and gracious. The best and not the worst. The beautiful and not the ugly. Thanks to praise, not thanks to curse. Come on, the person that goes to the tropical vacation in the midst of all the beauty, they're worried about the humidity. Well, just stay home then. Because you don't get one tropics without the humidity. They can always find the wrong thing in everything. But we're people of praise, not people of the curse. And we got to be careful, too, not to get this negative self-righteousness. The negative self-righteousness, what do I mean? It's all the I don't do that's that you love to share with anyone that will hear. Well, I don't watch those kind of things. And that's great. It's good character. I'm like that, to be honest with you. I don't watch a lot of things. Listen, I don't. People that say, well, I don't drink, I don't chew, and I don't go with boys or girls that do. Like, all the things I'm not doing. How many know the world doesn't need that? The world needs people that are alive and vibrant and filled with hope and filled with joy, people that are actually happy. Not based on just circumstances, but based upon the satisfaction of their soul and experiencing the goodness of God. That they don't have all the answers, but they know where to go to get the answer. So there's all things we don't do. Here's what we do do. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on God's law. It's not the Ten Commandments. It's on the ways and the mentality of honoring and serving God. He meditates day and night. Meditates day and night. Basically, it's a blessing. Second thing I want you to write down is we've got to learn to delight in God's direction. With God's direction comes God's correction. With God's direction comes God's divine enablement and grace. When we're going God's way, we're going to get God's result, and that's what we delight in. We do not delight in all the things we say no in. We delight in the things that we say yes to. The ways of God. And the basics of blessing in our life is that we learn to find our delight in God's direction. And he uses this word, meditation. With most of us, we probably need a reset button on what that word means. When we think meditation in our Western mentality and world, we think about transcendence and maybe some Eastern mysticism to disengage the mind and go, um, I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to be serene. I'm all for it. you got to practice peacefulness and mindfulness. Nothing wrong with that. But it's not about emptying your mind to let the universe speak some sort of truth to you. It's not about getting so quiet that you experience some sort of level of nirvana. It's actually biblical meditation. It's not the opposite of clearing your mind. It's filling your mind. And you're filling your mind and your mouth and your heart at the same time with the ways and the word of God. 
This is meditation. It's engaging your mind, not disengaging it. But you're engaging it with God's truth. The word meditation, there's the Hebrew word hagah. And it literally means to mutter or to talk to oneself. The actual root word, what it really means, okay, this is kind of gross. Can you handle it? It means to a low moaning of an animal as it chews up the cud. So it's already eaten, and it regurgitates. I know this is gross. And it chews it again because it's breaking it back down so that the nutrients, so that the vitamins, so that the resource can actually resource their physical body. Now, this is what we do in our spirit is we don't just read one scripture or we get through our Bible reading plan and we check the box. No, we meditate on the ways of God. We meditate on the truth of God's word. We're talking about it. This is why it's better for you than if you read 10 chapters of your Bible, it's better to read 10 words that you think about, that you contemplate, that you ask God by his Holy Spirit to show you what this means for your everyday life. It's that noise you make while you're chewing it up again. And it is a little bit of a, mm, a satisfied place as you get the nutrients and the ingredients that produce a God kind of life at the center of who you are. So it's not just to read it, it's to feed on it and you do it slowly over time. And this produces the renewing of your mind like Romans 12 talks about, which can literally change everything about you. It could change your marriage, it could change your parenting, it could change your career, it could change your self-worth, it could change your perspective, even about the brokenness of your past. You could see how God could work all things together for good. When you learn to change your mind, when you learn to grab a hold of this Haggah, when you learn to get God's word and the nutrients of it, not physically, but spiritually to your soul and to your heart and to your mind, it transforms everything around you. So he's never going through the Psalms. Don't just read through it and get to the end of the song. You want to know what is God saying to me? What does this mean for my life? Where can I execute on some of these God moves? How can I make this, this message my mentality? And David, David says, I delight. I delight in this law. It's interesting to think, though, the law he's speaking of is the Torah. This is what he had written down, passed on from generation. That means he only had five books of the Bible, the first five books. He had that Genesis story in there, the Exodus story. He's got Leviticus, he's got Numbers, and he's got Deuteronomy. When's the last time you really delighted in the book of Numbers? <laughs> Come on, who busted open Leviticus earlier in the year and was like, oh, I came to feed today, the delight of my soul. Oh, all these diseases we need to stay clear of. I come to feed on this info. But David had a mentality, a master mind of a mature follower of God, that he is able to feed on even those five books. Friends, we got 66 in this new covenant life. We got the revelation of who we are in Christ. We got the promises of God that are yes and amen. We got the Psalms. We got the prophets. We got the stories of acts, that the, the people that turn the world upside down. We've got more to feed on. And so we should be even more engaged with the mentality delights in the ways of God. 2 Timothy 3 says that the word of God is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that a man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good God move, God work he wants you to do. Yes, it's rebuking, correcting, and redirecting, but it's in righteousness. It's who we are in 
Christ. In other words, because we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, we don't have to manufacture momentum in our life. We can receive it right where we're at. And when you get that at the mentality of the foundation of your faith, God can build a beautiful and blessed life off that revelation. So the blessing is about what we're not doing, what we're not walking with, the voices we're not listening to, and that it's about what we are passionate about. And if we can steer clear of one, first one, and we can step into verse two, then we can experience what's in verse three. You'll be like a tree. You'll be strong. You'll be mature. You're a tree that's planted by streams of water. There's life flow in you. You yield fruit in its season. One translation says, in every season. And your leaf doesn't wither. And whatever you do prospers. How would you like life to finally start working? Who are you walking with? What are you listening to? Are you walking? Are you standing? Or are you sitting? Are you moving forward? Is your mentality on one that wants to eat on the word of God, slowly digest its principles so it becomes the way that frames your world perspective? Are you seeing everything through cynicism and negativity and listening to gossip? Are you on the road of who you are in Christ and righteousness and walking in tune with God to experience his blessing and his favor? Because it doesn't matter the climate and the chaos of this world, you're going to produce fruit. Let me speak to the people of Kingdom City today and let me wake you up. There's a harvest season in your future when your heart is set on the ways of God. There's a blessing on your marriage. The Bible says when God blesses, it makes one rich and it adds no sorrow. If all of you have experienced up to this point is sorrow, you're ready for a season change. And it's a season of being planted and stable and strong where the waters are flowing and the nourishment is found. It doesn't matter what's happening around you or your family history. Everyone else got divorced, your marriage is going to thrive. You're going to break a generational curse. Everyone else, your nieces and nephews going crazy, your kids are going to serve God and honor God with their life. Your career, everyone else is getting laid off. God might move you to a different place, but he's going to move through your life and produce blessing and favor, and you will prosper in what you put your hand to. Basics of blessing, we've got to learn to stick with it even when you don't see it. And friends, this is real faith. Anyone can get a moment of hope, and faith starts in hope. But there's a perseverance to this pace. There's a perseverance to this place of blessing. There's a perseverance, and it's not about endurance of running. The Bible speaks to that. We'll look at that verse in a moment. But when speaking in Psalms 1, it's a perseverance of planting. That I've got to jump over here and go over there. I don't need to find this different group that satisfies this area. I know where my source and supply comes from, and it ain't from people. God can use people to bless me. God can use people to correct me. God can use people to disciple me. God can use people to encourage me. But I know where my source and supply comes from. It comes from the truth of God's word, and I'm staying planted in the place where the water flows to me. We could be like that tree, evergreen. We were just in the desert um, I had SPF 4,000 on because I, I was not created as a desert, <laughs> desert dweller. And um, you could see where the rivers flow and where the flood water goes when the, when the monsoons come because there's just green everywhere. And yet, and there's some spots in the desert that there's no water by, but there's still green trees there. Those are evergreen trees. They built different. Evergreen trees go deep. 
Evergreen trees know how to hold water. They don't need a constant supply all the time. They know where to go. Evergreen trees, even their needles and their leaves have a waxy substance, which means stuff doesn't stick on them. Other people want to gossip, that don't stick on me. It also preserves the water in the leaves. What they hold, get in, they hold on to until it does what it's supposed to do in their life. They stick with it even when they don't see it yet. And this is why God wants people that are planted, not potted. There's a permanence here of where we are placing ourselves. Jesus says, if you abide in me, I am the vine in John 15. If you could stay with me, if you abide in me and now I'm at the center of you, you're going to bear much fruit. And I just want to speak to some of you a lesson that I probably share multiple times, even this year from the platform. But I think every once in a while, our faith just needs a reminder that God seems to work real slow and slower. And the next time, even slower. Every great God thing I've been believing for, desiring, I feel like he's designed, has always taken what I felt like was way too long. Am I the only one? No, every one of us have experienced that. But God knows what he's doing. The Bible says God is not slow as we understand time. He's got a different kind of time. He's got a Kairos God kind of time. He knows what he's doing that's right on time. He could not give you that blessing in that moment because you have not built the characters who sustain it. He could not give you that relationship you desired in that moment because he was still working some things out in you. He was still letting you be planted in a while so you had a deeper root system so he could bear, bear a greater fruit flow through your life. I don't have time because uh, I want to get you out of here before... Next Sunday. <laughs> and if you knew how ridiculously far behind I was on my notes, you would laugh. But I think about all the heroes of faith that we see. We see in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and leads into our part to play in Hebrews 12. And it just gives us this thought like, don't, listen, don't stop before it gets good. The planting of the Lord produces a blessing. Don't stop before it gets good. And I feel like this probably is correcting some people in here, that any time there has been a change in the wind or circumstances, you want to uproot and go do something else. I feel like the word for you is go dig deeper right where you're at and don't stop before the fruit comes. Because it does come in seasons. And if you have a season of stable and strength and believing and declaring and following and obeying, and yes, we need the grace of God because none of us get it right all the time. But we've been going the God way and we haven't seen the result yet. It's because it's going to be better than you thought it would be. And the blessing of what you thought is just the baseline of the new beginning of what God will do in the long run in your life. If you do not stop and do not quit before it gets good. In Hebrews 11, it just says, hey, this is what faith looks like. It looks like going in a direction where you don't quite know the end destination. It's staying on the path and not sitting down with the cynics and the scoffers. It's going on after the God result. It names all these heroes of the faith. In fact, it says the ancients or the, the, the generations before us were commended for this in Hebrews 11 too. In verse 7 it says, by faith, Noah, God, God told Noah to do something. And in holy awe or fear of God. In other words, I wanted to honor God, not the culture of the world. I kept building the ark when it didn't make sense to anyone else. I was planted and I was perspiring and I was dedicating to do the God thing. And then not only did it save Noah's family, friends, it saved all of humanity. 
Friend, have you been building and no one's been praising you, been blessing you, been encouraging you, but you know you've been doing what God has called you to do? Don't stop before it gets good. Don't stop before the fruit comes. Stay in it. Talks about how Abraham went to a place as a foreigner, a stranger in a strange land, that eventually he would inherit that land that was once foreign to him because he stayed the course and followed the ways of God. He obeyed, it says in verse 8, even though he didn't know where he was going. Through faith, they conquered kingdoms, verse 33. A minister justice and gained that which was promised. Of course, we know if you've been in church at all, you know chapter 12. Since we're surrounded by these giants of the faith, guys, there were people like you and me that had, had dilemmas, had struggles, had people trying to call them out, call them off of what they were doing, try to discourage them. So since we're surrounded by those that have gone before us, we gotta do the same thing they did. We strip away the sin that so easily ensnares. That's verse one of Psalms one. We get out of the things that are gonna pull us down and cause us to be seated in a place we shouldn't be when we're called to be walking in the way that we're, going, we're called to go. And then if we can get the sin and keep our eyes, it says, fixed on Jesus. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one that we're connected to in the vine in John 15. He's the help that we need on the inside all the time, even when things are going bad on the outside. We fix our eyes to Jesus, author and finisher of our faith. One translation says the pioneer and the perfecter. He went first, and he knows the way you're called to go. And we could do these things. Even in the midst of opposition, it says in verse 3. And so you will not grow weary and lose heart. You've been planted and you haven't seen the, the blessing, the favor, the produce, the fruit in your life. Don't grow weary and lose heart. What is fruit? Fruit, fruit really is just results. It's result. You put the right seed in the right soil with the right water and the right sunshine, eventually it will produce fruit. How I many know trees take a while to grow? So I gotta stay planted. You gotta get your roots a little deeper. Don't jump from one place. A potted plant needs someone to come and water it all the time. But a tree that's planted by the rivers, that's who you are. You know how to go deeper to get your own supply. Everyone else is in drought, friend, you're in destiny. Everyone else is in struggle street, you're seeing the goodness of God. Everyone else is fighting and, and there's bitterness and there's discord maybe in your family, not you. You're planted by the river that's producing life producing peace. It's producing blessing. Fruit is also, well, what fruit, fruit isn't just for yourself. Fruit's also, it's a result, but it's also refreshing. Come on, I was on that keto diet for a while. There's zero fruit in that thing. And as I started eating like a normal human again, I was like, dang, I missed fruit. It was good. Come on, you know, watermelon in July, come on, you know this is good. I had an unripe mango the other day. It was demonic. I had to kick that thing. It's nasty. When it's ripe and it's right, it's so refreshing. And that's what fruit is in our life. It's not just for us. It's the result of a life well lived, a path that we didn't take, and the planting of our life. And it produces something for us to share with the world around us. The biggest bodies of water in Israel, we have the Sea of Galilee. By the Jordan River flows down to the Dead Sea. Sea of Galilee has an input. This is where Jesus and the fishermen were. This is where Peter caught the fish. This is, there's life there. If you haven't been to Israel, it's wonderful. It's filled with life. But then as it goes down the Jordan River, it goes lower, 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 lower until it's a dead sea. You know what's in the dead sea? Not a trick question. Dead. Nothing. There's no life there. It's got all these nutrients and stuff, and they have nowhere to go, and so it decays. 
So when we're living our life on a slow slide in the culture of the world around us, when we're getting an input but there's not an output, that we find ourselves sliding down into selfishness, sliding down into seeing everything the way that we are the, the elite judge on everything, and cynicism, and that spirit that is critical about everything else and has an opinion about everyone else, we're sliding down the place that will not produce life. We stay evergreen. We don't wither. Whatever we do, we'll prosper. Psalms 1 is a tale of two people. Which one will you be? One who's blessed, one who's alive. It starts with blessed and it ends with perish. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Today, I've given you the choice. Okay, this, in context, is a paradox day. Are you going to follow God, people of Israel, is what he's saying. This is your shot. Choose if you're going to obey for the next generation. But you know, every day we wake up with this choice. Every conversation we enter in, we've got this choice. Am I going to listen to the scoffer? Am I going to quit walking on the path of destiny? Am I going to sit down in this seat of pride? Or am I going to stay on the journey? Today I am giving you the choice. What's the choice between life or death? Man, on the surface, I feel like that's a really easy answer. Am I the only one that's like, life or death? I make that choice for life all day long. Why would I want death? There's a way that seems right in a man that leads to death. When you're looking at things just from your own perspective and your own opinion and maybe your own past history, and you're not looking at things through the lens of God's word, as you've meditated, it's changed your mentality and it's changed your mindset. You begin to get a different perspective based on the promises and the goodness of God and what he's asking of you in patience. And as you do that, you begin to see things differently. And you don't see things your own way. You see things God's way. And therefore, you will choose life. There's a choice between blessings and cursing. I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, he gives you the answer. I love how good God is. He doesn't hide it from us. I'm not saying it's always easy, but it is simple. It is real simple. Don't go down that path. Plant yourself with God. Get God's word as a meditation of your heart and your mind, and it will change you over time, and you will be that tree, strong and secure, with fruit in every season. It does not matter what the economy is looking like or the culture of the world around us. You can bear fruit in every season. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your legacy, your descendants, those coming after you, it's not just about you. It's about what happens after you that your descendants might live. We're not gonna die by going negative. We're gonna delight in God's word and we're gonna dig in deeper than ever before. And over time and testing with patience and perseverance, we will prosper and thrive in the goodness of God. You will have blessing on your life. You'll have fulfillment and favor on your life. When you don't go the way of the world, but you go the way of God. Fruit or chaff is what we're talking about. I know we don't use chaff very much, but that's the, the husk of the wheat. In the winnowing process, in the refinement process, to take something that's, that, that, that's alive and make it useful or beneficial. It's like the, the meditations to get the resource out of it. There's a little bit of a crushing. And then the winnowing, they throw it up in the air, and the chaff, chaff lightweight. Chaff goes where the wind goes. There's a lot of people that realize there's some chaff in their life. They go the direction of the wind. They're at the mercy of the wind, but not you and me. We're at the mercy of God. That we understand when the pressure's been on, maybe the heat's been on,
maybe the climate around us doesn't seem like the kind of the place that could produce prosper and blessing and favor. But when the wind blows, we're not being blown away. We're being placed in fruitfulness. We're not at the mercy of wind, we're at the mercy, the mercy of our God. And he knows what he's doing in your life. Today is the beginning of a new season of blessing. I am declaring a season change over your life in Jesus' name. We are not going the way that we used to go by allowing every voice to dictate what we believe. We are going to find out what we believe and who we are in Christ in this book. And as we eat it every day and feed on it every day, by the Holy Spirit, it's going to change our mentality and our perspective, and it's going to lead you to prosper. Do you want more of that in your life? Blessed is the man or woman of Kingdom City Church that doesn't go with the culture of the world around you. Blessed is the husband and the wife of Kingdom City Church. Blessed are the kids of Kingdom City Church. Blessed are the people of your family that are not, they're not fickle, but they're faithful. And God's word is their way. In the planting of God, they go deeper into the root system and the support of the goodness of God and in his church and in the way of life that Jesus teaches us. It's not about ourselves. It's not about what just receive. But like Abraham, we've been blessed to but be a blessing to the world around us. So things don't come to us and die. They flow through us and thrive. We're the people of fruit and we're the people of harvest and we are ever green. In a world that's decaying, we are thriving in Jesus' name. Stand your feet. I want to pray for you. Today is a day of decision. Blessing or curse standing or sitting, meditating, digging in. You get to make the choice every day. Oh, that you would choose life. That you would experience the Zoe God kind of life. Life in its fullness. Life in its blessing. Life even that is happy. It's there for you. Father God, I thank you for every heart that's in this room. I thank you everyone that's watching. I thank you that you called them, you know them, love them, and you've already forgiven them. But the training of God's word helps us be established in righteousness. Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, we're with him. So we don't have to earn our way into his favor. We received it through Christ. And so, Lord, I thank you that we're not going the way of the culture of this world. We're not going the way of the cynic or the critic. We will be challenged, discipled, and we will grow as we make God's ways what we feed on every day. Thank you for the meditation of our heart. Let it be pleasing to you. I thank you for new mindsets and mentalities that are fueled and filtered by the word of God and the principles of his promise are in our life. I thank you, God, that we are planted and we ain't going anywhere but deeper. And as we go deeper, we're gonna see those rivers of living water that flow out of Jesus that will produce life in every single season. It does not matter what happened in my family history. It does not matter what happened in, my, uh, in the world around me. It, I'm not going the way of culture. I'm going the way of kingdom. Because of that, I will prosper in every season. I'm speaking to the people of the promise right now that you will prosper in the season to come. There is more fruit. There is more fulfillment. There is more joy. There is more peace. And there is more blessing for you in Jesus' name. If you're here and you need a fresh start with Jesus, maybe you're blown away. Life got hard and you gave up didn't work out with God the way you thought you went your own way. Maybe you sat in a seat that you shouldn't have been sitting in. Maybe 
maybe uprooted yourself. Maybe you were planted at one time or season, but then uprooted. It's time to be reestablished in the kingdom of Christ. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Oh, that you today might choose life and thrive. If that's you, you need a fresh start with Jesus. You may have never given your heart to him. Today's the day of new beginnings. Today's the day of blessing. It all starts with putting him first in your life and receiving the gift of his grace. That's you. You need a new beginning. You need today to be a day where you're choosing life. You're choosing Jesus. You're starting over or starting for the very first time of going after him with no one looking around. If that's you, just say, Pastor Kyle, that's me. I'm in on this new beginning. You just raise up your hand today. Say, I need a fresh start. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Five, six, seven of you. It's eight of you. It's awesome. Beautiful. One last moment. You need a new beginning. I see you, sir. That's awesome. Can we pray this prayer together? All together as one family. In fact, let's open our eyes and let's put a big smile on our face. This is what the Bible says we can have a relationship with God, like a friendship. I don't know about you, but when you see a friend, a really good friend, a friend that's been really good to you, this isn't your countenance. This is your countenance. This is your expectation. This is your relationship. That's what we can have with God through Christ start that today, all of us together as one family of faith. Say, Heavenly Father, I was far from you, separated by sin. You built a bridge. On Jesus' back, he carried a cross, and it broke through. All my sin and shame buried in the grave, but my Savior is alive. I am forgiven. I am set free. I'm being redeemed. I'm not going back. I'm not sitting down. I'm planted in God's house. I have his righteousness. I have his grace. Today is a new beginning. I will see God's blessing in my future. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we celebrate everyone who prayed that prayer? Awesome, church. I love you very much.